and Smetty here. And this will probably be controversial. I'm a big mac and cheese guy. Welcome, everybody, to Golick and Smetty. I am Mike Golick Sr. She is Jess Matana. And we have, as usual, kind of, and, and this time of year, a smorgasbord. I don't, never know if I pronounce that correctly. Smorgasbord? <laughs> I think smor- smorgasbord. Smorgasbord? I, I always say I don't say know if borge. it's a smorg. Sh- Smore, you try and smore. Like, I can't roll my R's when, when you have to roll your R's, but smorgasbord. I say Borg, and I think French. it's bored. I don't even know. Borg. I think it's with a G. I think it's with a G as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So they're, Notre Dame grads cutting it yeah, up. Yeah, how about it? Yeah, they're, they're cringing right now, going, oh, like, God, they have degrees they just took from our my school. diploma away, yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a lot going on. <laughs> a lot going on. So... Um, you know, between, uh, you know, um, obviously the World Cup and all the football going on, but basketball and, and hockey and baseball news with signings and college, this is it. We're, we're getting closer to the time of year now where there are some championships, you know, that are going on and more keep going on. I love this time. I love this time through March with like kind of the nine revenue sport championships uh, that are happening. So there's that going on as well. So. I don't know where you want to start, Jess. You know where I always like to start. I always like to start with what you're baking because oh I'm gosh. such a you know. I mean, I, I'm so, so jealous of that. And you've been you've been hitting it hard, haven't you? I really have been. I've been getting in oh. the Christmas spirit. I know we we talked about the Christmas tree and and my lack of decorations. You'll be pleased <laughs> to know I bought a tiny two foot fake Christmas tree at Target. A couple Thank nights you. ago, but the real thing that gets me in the in the holiday spirit is baking Christmas cookies. I am a big Christmas cookie person. I usually make like four or five dozen cookies, and then like different types of cookies, and then put them in containers and hand them out to like my friends and family. Um, I don't know who's gonna get the cookies this year since I don't have a ton of family down here in Miami. Maybe I'll bring them in for Stugats to eat. Maybe I'll ship some to you, Mike. They actually do ship pretty well. They travel I've done that. well. You, yeah, you put yeah. them in a tin. They travel well. I'm, okay, you know what? I'll I, think man, about it. I'll I talked it. so so good about you. You know, when I was doing this DraftKings groundbreaking, you know, DraftKings sportsbook that they're putting at the TPC here in Scottsdale. Oh, okay. Tell me more. What did you say about Afterward, me? I had to go on shows <laughs> and, and, and talk stuff. And, oh, yeah. I mean, talking about what a star you are. I was building you up. I okay. Mean, all right. I, well. All right. I'll, I mean, it I'll was unreal how much I was talking you about you. Ad nauseum. They actually had me <laughs> had shut up. We have to go to break. Am I doing well enough here to get sent some Yeah. Cookies? Yeah. I mean, okay, it worked good. It worked the first time you said you were being nice <laughs> to me. Anyways. Uh, I baked these shortbread cookies. I think shortbread cookies are very underrated Christmas cookies because they burn very easily. So it's hard Mm. to get the perfect shortbread from scratch. But they had pistachios, chocolate, and candied orange rind in them. And they are so good, Mike. And then I had some leftover banana this morning that was going bad. So I made some marbled chocolate uh, banana bread. And it had rum in it, too, which was a little added delicious touch so yeah i'm i'm deep in the christmas cookie baking i've probably got a few more recipes i want to try before the week of christmas and that's when i'm going to bake my big batches of cookies and and ship them out do you when you make cookies do you frost them do you do different frostings or you just make the cookie and and... i'm not that good with the frosting i really need to practice that it's hard like the instagram accounts that i follow that make the frosted sugar cookies for christmas They make it look so easy and they, they do, do these don't intricate they? designs. Like I can't even get the colors right on the 
on the die. Like I can't do it. It's too hard, but no, I don't really do those. I would like to master it someday. That's on my, my list. But in the meantime, I'm going for flavor. I'm going for things with lots yeah. of like, you know, dried fruit and, and chocolate and nuts. Those are very Christmassy. The jam cookies with like the thumbprints in them, the pistachios, all of that. Oh. I, mean, I actually saw a recipe for gingerbread latte cookies the other day. And wow. that's what I'm going to make either tonight or tomorrow night because I got all the ingredients for it and they sound amazing. Oh, oh my God. I, I, I hope one day I go to the, to the mailbox and find a tin there. <laughs> We'll see. Of that. Because speaking of banana bread, I'm one of those around the house here when there's bananas. There's a time I'll want to grab a banana and then I'll go like, no, I want it to age because then I know Chris is going to make some banana bread. And sure <laughs> enough, yesterday I just finished off the last batch of her nice. banana bread. So I was very, very happy about that. I'm a big banana bread fan. Put a little confectionery sugar Ooh. on it, some whipped cream on it, and, and, and we're good to go. So... I always love talking about baking with you. It puts me in such a good mood uh, <laughs> before we talk about anything bad going on in sports. But there's a lot of good going on in sports, right? I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, th- yeah, this weekend our, was our, awesome. Our alma mater, our alma mater in women's basketball is uh, is shining brightly, is it not? It definitely is, Mike. Uh, the biggest thing that happened this weekend for Notre Dame fans which we will talk about briefly here at the top is the massive win over UConn big regular season when Notre Dame was ranked number five go- or number six going into the game. UConn was ranked number three. Notre Dame lost to Maryland on a buzzer beater a few nights yeah. before the game, which was pretty devastating. That was their first loss of the season. And they came back against UConn and just were so dominant. Um, UConn star player did get hurt in the second half, so that was a bummer for them, and she's going to be out for a few weeks. But it was it was undoubtedly uh, probably the I, I would say the biggest win of Neil Ivy's you know regular season coaching career at home in front of a sellout crowd. Um, it was it was just crazy. They won they they were leading by more than ten points for most of the game. I, I think UConn cut the deficit down to five briefly in the third quarter because Olivia Miles got in some foul trouble, but. Other than that, I mean, they were they were pretty dominant throughout the entire game, all four quarters, and were just shooting well, defending, rebounding, and it was crazy to watch. Kind of wish I was still at my place in South Bend during that time uh, to go yeah. watch that game because I'm going to tell you, Jess, I went through hell when I was in Connecticut <laughs> uh, working at ESPN uh, because we were losing most of those games to the UConn women. And Rebecca Lobo was always doing the games, a former UConn, you know, all everything. And her and I had become great friends uh, at ESPN. And I would always have to have the confidence in my iris that they would win. So I'd always bet her and I would always lose. I've had my face painted with UConn stuff. I've had to do so much shit, you know, and basically eat so much shit in those years because UConn was beating our, our women. And usually when I'd go to the games, that would be out there in Hartford. And uh, it was tough. So when I saw that game and I saw them win and I felt so good, I wished so bad I had a bet going with Rebecca on that because a nice win for us. So I said, I think we're what, sitting at number five now and UConn dropped behind us to six. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the last yeah. ranking. And, yeah, and, and FUD will be out for, I, I think I mentioned like three to four weeks or three to five weeks. She's had some injury trouble so she she'll definitely need to get healthy for UConn because they they struggled shooting a little bit without her I think it was her first scoreless game either Mm. of the season or of her career but um really like you said really humongous win and um it's a bummer that you're not still in Connecticut to paint your paint your face 
with Notre Dame stuff. Is that how that works, or do you? Paint well, no, I would have heard. It's weird. We would have painted okay. her face with Notre Dame stuff. <laughs> That's how it was. She actually came on 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 my show there and, and on air painted my face. You know, <laughs> their their whatever their what are they blue and white whatever their colors are. Right. I would have loved to have had to get to paint her face. You know, blue and gold. But no, never never really got to happen, unfortunately. Oh man, well that was a, a crazy game. The other thing that was that happened, and we, we briefly talked about the Notre Dame women's soccer team yeah. uh, losing in the tournament to North Carolina earlier this, this season. But the final in the NCAA soccer uh, national championship was last night, or Monday night, I should say. And the ending, Mike, I want to tell you about because it was nuts. We've been talking a lot about soccer lately because of the yep. World Cup. I think this finish was probably crazier than anything I've seen so far in the World Cup, maybe aside from Morocco beating Spain in penalty kicks, which was right. unexpected to say the mm -hmm. least. But what happened was North Carolina, the one seed, they were up 2-0 in the 80th minute against UCLA. UCLA scored two goals, including a goal off of a corner kick with 16 seconds left in regulation. Oh to tie wow. it up 2-2. The goal that they scored, uh, the second goal that tied it at the end of the game, a little controversial. A lot of UConn or a lot of North Carolina fans wanted the UCLA girl to get a foul called on her because she kind of like boxed out the goalie and the goalie right. fell into the goal, but it counted. They didn't call a foul. Went into double overtime and then UCLA scored the game-winning goal with 3 minutes left in the second overtime. So they won wow. the national championship in overtime after trailing two goals in the 80th minute of the game. So it was an absolutely insane finish. And the game was in North Carolina in front of all North Carolina fans who were just shell-shocked from the finish. So I needed to tell you about that because I could not believe what I was watching. And that was North Carolina's a team that knocked Notre Dame out, correct? Yes, yes, uh, Earlier in the tournament, yeah. And then, uh, so, ha-ha, they lost. <laughs> That's mean. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. That's not nice. No, but you might... <laughs> like as as Notre Dame fans, like we we really do revel in the the losses of our enemies, which is my segue into talking about the Pac-12 championship on Friday night because USC had a chance to make the college football playoff for the first yep. time. They've never made it before. Their program has been suffering uh, in the dark ages for a decade with all of the various horrible things that have been happening in that athletic department. And then they hired Lincoln Riley, and he brought Caleb with, Williams with him to Pasadena, and they were on the verge of making the playoff. All they had to do was beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. And, Mike, that is not what happened on Friday oh. night. Hey, 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 kudos to Utah. Utah beat USC twice. USC had two losses, both to Utah. The first one was just uh, was a one-point game, 43-42. So, and now USC, you know, had everything to gain in this one. They were right there because of what happened the week before so they're sitting in the four slot all they have to do is win and they couldn't do it they and and they lose big 47 24 in that one so they knocked way they went from fourth all the way down to 10 they were out of this thing and utah ended up ahead of them in the final rankings sitting at number eight but you know, we talked about it last week, and I said, you know, I, I think there'll be at least one of the top four teams that lose, and we had two of them lose. But, you know, I, and we knew, we talked about this. If USC lost, they were going to be out because they now had two losses. It would be to the same team. They were going to be gone. And we said if TCU lost a close one, they're probably going to be in it. And that's exactly what happened. They lose in overtime uh, to Kansas State 
Uh, and uh, I think it was what 3128 or right in that area there. Yeah, in so overtime, they, they yeah, like you said. and I remember putting out on Twitter, this is what I think will be the final four. And I said, I think it'll be Georgia and Michigan hadn't played. I said, I think Michigan beats Purdue. It'll be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio state. And everybody was just like, how can TCU lose and not drop, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, who are you putting ahead of them? I said, you're, you're not, Ohio state is not going to not play and jump all the way to number three. You know, maybe if TCU got blown out, that might've happened, but I didn't see that happening. I know, Alabama fans were all like, well, if you truly want to take the top four teams, Alabama is one of the top four. I mean, that was their song and dance. And I don't blame them. If you're a fan, you want your team in. But they weren't getting in. So I, I thought this would be the final four. And I didn't think Ohio State would jump to three because then you would have Michigan and Ohio State playing in the semis. And I didn't think the, the committee would want that right away since they basically just played. If they're going to meet again, they both have to earn it to play in the finals, which I don't think, uh, I, I don't think they will. I think Michigan will, but I think Ohio State's going to lose to Georgia in this one. So I had no problem with the, with the final four. Did you? I didn't have a problem with it at all. And, and we should add USC now in the cotton bowl against Tulane, which is actually I, I, a game I'm really excited for. I love getting to watch these like G five uh, P five matchups um, with the teams that just barely miss the playoff like we saw with UCF and Auburn I think it was a couple years ago but or it might have been was it Auburn yeah I don't know I'll fact check that anyways Uh, I I agreed with the final the final four selections I don't think there I mean I think it was a no-brainer I don't think there was any way Alabama was going to jump any of the one loss teams without playing this past weekend I think that there's there's this you know philosophical argument between you know, best team and most deserving team. And maybe Alabama gets your consideration for being one of the best four teams because they're Alabama and they're coached by Nick Saban. But this season, they weren't one of the most deserving teams because they lost both of those regular season games that they just needed to win to make the playoff. I think they still could have made it as a two loss team this season. If the second loss had been in the SEC championship game, if they had beaten LSU and just had one loss to Tennessee, but, um, that they didn't get to play in the SEC championship game. So it made it really, really difficult to leapfrog, you know, Ohio State in, the, in that case. I think it would have been really interesting to see what would happen if uh, USC won on Friday night. And then we had to have a situation where we're deciding between TCU, USC having one loss and Ohio State having one loss uh, and what would have happened in that situation. But I, I, I think it's also one of those years where, like, there's really – Still one team in my mind that is the most dominant college football team. And and to me, this playoff is going to be to determine who plays Georgia in the national championship. Um, If it's anything other than that, I will be extremely surprised. So I'm looking forward to the playoff games. I'm more more so looking forward to some of these bowl games. It's it's not like a crazy, uh, exciting bowl slate the way that it's set up this year. There's a couple matchups that I'm looking forward to. It's really hard to evaluate what we'll see in the bowl games now because of the transfer portal and because of coaches leaving. Like, Mike, did you see Scott Satterfield is taking the uh, the Cincinnati head coaching job and Louisville, his you know now former team, is playing Cincinnati yeah. in the Fenway Bowl. So that is a totally bizarre situation. I don't know if it's ever happened before in college football. If it has, I'm not aware of it. And there's gonna, there's just tons of these situations now that didn't happen, you know, five years ago in these postseason games where you're like, I don't know, I don't know what to expect when we watch this. 
Well, I, I, I agree with you. Not so much, or a big part of that too is coaching changes. Like, you know, all the, all the different coaching changes, you know, you see Deion, uh, Deion Sanders took the Colorado job, but he is going to coach his team in the bowl game. It's always different. Like he talked to, to his team at Jackson State. He talked to the Colorado players. And, and I like that. I like when a coach, if he's going to leave, at least talks to the team he's leaving. Too many coaches don't do that and just take off. You know, and that really pisses me off that you don't spend time there. Your dog is lounging so comfortably. She just had like the craziest fan. twitch, like yeah. s- like sleep spasm thing that I've ever seen, and I but honestly looks, got afraid she looks very for a second. Com- looks very she's very comfortable there. Very com- Yeah, she's but out. but that, then you get to the players. Like I, I don't expect, and I, I don't think it's been announced yet that Michael Mayer for Notre Dame, the best tight end in the land. I I would doubt he'd play in the Gator Bowl. I mean, why would he? I mean, there, there's yeah. there's to, to me, I mean, there's no reason to do that at all. That that's an interesting one. I've heard that I've heard that no one really knows what he'll decide. Like he may yeah. play in the game because he's one of those you know players that like really loves to play football. Yeah, and he may wants to may. wants to play with the team. He also may you know make a business decision, which is totally understandable. I, Notre Dame we haven't mentioned yet, but they are playing in the Gator Bowl against South right. Carolina in Jacksonville. Um, an interesting matchup. Because, you know, Notre Dame and South Carolina typically do not play each other. There's predictions that it will be a sellout crowd. So this game may mean something for these fans uh, of both teams. I don't know how much it – I really – like like I said, I don't know really how to gauge, like, what to expect from these games. No, Notre Dame's starting quarterback, Drew Pine, entered the transfer portal yesterday – or Monday. Um, so Tyler Buckner, I guess, will be starting Supposed for Notre to be Dame. back, if not maybe Angeli, the, the young kid. The freshman, uh, yeah. So, again, freshman. it's like I, yeah. I have no idea how to evaluate this. But, yeah, like you said, Michael Mayer may or may not be playing. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of weird things to consider now when you're looking at what to expect uh, from all of these games. The best thing about bowl games, and for this one anyway, we may go to it because we may have a bet with uh, with uh, Darius Rucker in this one, the South Carolina. Oh, that's right. Yes. So we may yes. all be meeting in Jacksonville uh, nice. for this one and uh, and have some fun with that. But you, can, I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you that you don't know what's going to happen in these in these bowl games, and I don't put a lot on them. I don't put a lot on them at all. Because man, you get you get players in, in, with different attitude. It's just not like a regular season game. Some players won't play. Others will play. Others won't even want to be there while they're playing. It's just it's really difficult to evaluate. The best thing about it, now I'll, I'll put it in the terms of, of Notre Dame, but this is really all schools. Is you get 15 practices, and now you can practice those young guys. They can get all the reps. Now you do have to prepare for a game at some point, and also the beauty of it used to be. Uh, if you played in the you played in four games, it counts for, as a year. And it used to be the first four games of the season, and afterward you couldn't play at all. Now it's four games anywhere, so a lot of teams can save that fourth game for the bowl game and and let these young kids who who haven't burned a year play in the bowl game. Certainly, you risk an injury and then rehabbing in the off season, but I think it's great. So you can practice young guys, you can play young guys. Uh, so I, I think it's it's fantastic. I think the big news for our school, and it's going to turn out again, we talk about Notre Dame a lot, but this is going to be true of all schools because of how much it happened last year is the transfer portal. There's got to be a million players in the transfer portal. It's unbelievable yes. what I, goes on with this. And and I get it because you don't have to sit that year anymore. So you can, you can go and you can play. 
Uh, so these coaches aren't just recruiting 18-year-olds in their living rooms anymore. They're, they're, they're recruiting second-year players, third-year players, fifth-year players. And for Notre Dame, it's like, which quarterback are they going to get? You know, because they're going right. to get a quarterback. You know, Drew Pine, people jumping on Drew Pine saying, oh, he's quitting, he's leaving. Drew Pine is doing exactly what Drew Pine needs to do. Yeah, of course. I have zero problem. Drew Pine filled in. He was a backup. He filled in. He did a nice job, especially toward the end of the season. He did a real nice job. And, and he's not going to be the quarterback of Notre Dame next year. He's, he's just, he's not, again, unless he came back and there were some injuries, but he's not. So I don't blame him going somewhere else to try and play. Notre Dame is going to bring in a transfer. I mean, names out there, Devin Leary from North Carolina State, uh, he's out there and he's available. Um, Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, who was, I think, the uh, freshman of the Big 12 Offensive Freshman of the Year in 2019, was all Big 12 in 2021. Play, played so, against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl last year. I've also exactly. heard I've also heard Hudson Carr's name being mentioned. He's yep. a tech, was a Texas backup this year. Yep. Um, but yeah, Mike, like you said, I mean, anyone who's getting on any player's case for transferring, it seems like every quarterback is in the portal right now. And a lot of them are going to get probably paid money to go elsewhere. So yep. why wouldn't you go in the portal and see what you're worth? I don't know if it's the best decision for every player, but who knows exactly. better than those players to make that decision for themselves. It's not up to the NCAA or the fans to decide what is best for a college athlete if they're not in a situation that they think is the best situation for them. So yes, I I wish nothing but the best on Drew Pine. I'm glad that it sounds like the, the Notre Dame coaching staff had an, an honest conversation with him about yeah. what his his future would be in that locker room. And so I think that that's uh, always the best case scenario for the athlete to know, you know, if they're not going to play, if it's going to be a competition, if, if they're not, you know, expected to play at all, like tell them up front, tell them when yep. the portal opens up in December, even if that means your odds of, of winning the bowl game goes down. I mean, that's the right thing to do. And I think, in a lot of ways, these these bowl games now in the, in the transfer portal era are more like off season, um, like spring scrimmage practices than anything else. Like you said, you get to play young players, you get to see you know some new faces maybe, yep. but they're not going to totally have you know a, a huge impact on on anything moving forward with your next season. Complete, hundred uh, percent agree. And with Drew Pine, I, I I'm glad they had that discussion. But I tell you, Jess. Players usually know where they stand more than anybody. Drew yeah. had to know, had to see writing on the wall that he wasn't going to be the guy and it was going to be difficult for him to get on the field. So, and for those that complain and said, all oh, these kids all transfer too quick, they're afraid of competition. No, these guys get four or five years to show what they can do if they want to play at the next level. And they got to be on the field to show that. And if it means going somewhere... And getting on the field somewhere, even if it's a smaller school, but able to get the reps and get the looks that they need to try and make it at the next level. And, and a lot of them won't, but some will. I have no problem with that. I mean, I, I, I get a little tired sometimes of, of people <laughs> ripping these players, saying, oh, it's a soft generation. They, they quit too quickly. Man, no, they have the ability to do what they need to do for themselves yeah. And I and I don't blame them. Look, co coaches do it all the time. I was just gonna co say, like I mean, Scott Scott on. Satterfield's a great example. Like he's he's leaving before the bowl game starts. Now I read that he might like rec recuse himself from both sidelines during right, the bowl game, right. which is, I mean, like the whole situation is absurd. I don't think it's it's something that will ever happen again. It like what are the what are the odds, right? Like so there's nothing really that can be done about it. It is just kind of absurd to think that he could. 
he could choose to coach on either side. And if he coached for Cincinnati, he'd know all Louisville's playbook. If yeah, he coached yeah. for Louisville, like he's, you know, making his life harder the next season as a Cincinnati. It's just like, it's so ridiculous that this happened, but it is a little funny. And it is one of the reasons why I do enjoy college football so much. Yeah. You know, he can publicly recuse himself, recuse himself, but I would imagine <laughs> he might be given some Intel yeah. uh, either way. But yeah, I, like I said, I, I get tired of it. Coaches sign a seven year deal and two years in, they jump to another school. So any coach that sits there in some 18-year-old's, you know, uh, living room and says, I'm going to be there for your entire career, you know, you better take that with a grain of salt. I couldn't even imagine coaches saying that anymore with a straight face because you just can't believe them. And I'm not even blaming them all the time. The system lets them do all of this, and the system now lets the players do it. So – um, I, I, I don't want to hear people shitting on the players when the coaches are the ones that, that have been doing this forever. So if the mm-hmm. players want to make a move, and like you said, a lot of times it's the wrong move. You know, it, maybe they, they jump the gun on it, but let them make the decision. Hell, JT Daniels is about to go to his fourth <laughs> team. You yeah. want to talk about a guy maybe making, maybe overthinking things and moving yeah. on, and maybe there are guys like that. But I, what, what has it been? It's been USC, Georgia, West Virginia. Now yeah. he's going to go to his fourth yeah. team. Yeah. And, and like Phil Jerkovic, the former Notre Dame yeah. quarterback, now is going to be the Pitt quarterback next year. He's from Pittsburgh. He's, you know, going back with his BC offensive coordinator from last season. And that's like the new thing, right? It's yep. like yep. these, especially like at the quarterback position, if you find a coordinator or a coach that you like and then they move, you're suddenly someone everyone's looking at. Okay, maybe they're going to follow them or join or or enter the portal. And if you're, you know, if you have a like what Lincoln Riley did with Oklahoma and, and USC, if you're um, trying to fill a vacancy, either head coach or offensive coordinator, and you know that this coach will be able to lure this player away, and it's a player like Caleb Williams, or, or you know, it's hard to find that many players of that caliber but you know what I mean an important yes, yes. player a skill position player that they need that makes that hire uh even more you know favorable for that school too so those are all things that now I've never really considered before as a college football fan that I'm looking at I'm on the Wikipedia page I'm like looking at the right hand column where that has a list of everyone's school uh, you know schools that they've coached at and, and what position groups they've coached and right. I'm trying to put together the puzzle pieces and figure out where all these quarterbacks are going to end up going but it all happens really fast like the college football offseason now in in a lot of ways is turning into what the what January is for NFL teams where the Monday after the last regular season game people are getting fired or hired or something crazy is going on that you, you don't expect and so that's going to be probably like the next month of, of college football is like figuring out who's going where who's playing in the bowl game who's not playing in the bowl game um who's playing in the playoff games uh, right. because there's a couple I mean Ohio State's you know one of their star wide receivers it sounds like is not coming back for the bowl game Jackson's yeah. in Jigba he's been yeah hurt and, most and of he's season. been and, he, and he's been nicked up I get it you know he's had yeah. the hamstring that he hurt against Notre Dame he tried to play in a couple of more games and and has not been 100 percent. so I understand that you know totally yeah it, it it will be interesting if in the college football playoffs we get a completely healthy player who says I'm not playing yeah. That will be kind of the next thing because, you know, every every critic has taken their turn now ripping the players that don't go play in the Tax Slayer Bowl or the Gator Bowl or the mm-hmm. whoever the hell those bowl are the, this Those is. are the same bowl this year, I think. I think the Tax Slayer oh, Gator okay. Bowl. <laughs> the Tax Slayer the Gator Bowl. There you go. I, so I've picked on one bowl game and I didn't mean to. But 
You know what I mean? I mean, they're not going to a bowl game with their six and five team or six and six right. team or eight and four team. I mean, come on, who cares? So, I mean, I do, I do wonder if that happens with an expanded playoff more often. If you're a 12 seed yep. and you don't think you're going to make it to the national championship and you have to play maybe like one to three additional games in December yeah. and you're someone that is getting, you know, mocked in the first round. I could see that happening. I, and then I think people who are people who have a problem with players skipping bowl games now are going to have an even oh. bigger problem with that situation. And it's a, kind of the same thing for me. Like I understand it. So I would never criticize a player for doing that, but yeah, I could, I could totally see that happening. Yep. I could as well. And you're right. So, and again, for those that may not know 2024 season, that's the, the first year they're going to do the expanded playoffs where, I think the first four will get buys, and then it'd be like twelve against five, and and so on. Yeah, but you're right. I think I that's, still don't know the full. I haven't yeah, the full been following details. the we'll full get, details. I know the Rose Bowl was like holding out because the Rose Bowl yeah. wants to do. Like, I mean, oh, okay, Rose Bowl. I, seriously, like they were really going <laughs> to not be involved in this thing. I mean, come on. So we'll get all the details of it. Bottom line is they're expanding. And I'm happy about it. Quick last note on college before we move on to football and then football. Um, is we, we do have the, the final four for the Heisman, the award I hate. Um, Georgia, Stetson Bennett, USC's Caleb Williams, TCU's Max uh, Duggan, and Ohio State C.J. Stroud. And what do they have in common? What do they normally have yeah. in common for this award? They're all quarterbacks. It's a quarterback award. I can't stand it. I barely watch it anymore. Maybe it's I, I maybe people think as I hate quarterbacks. I don't hate quarterbacks, but there are a lot of great players out there. But it always seems to fall to the quarterback, and I get it. They have to be how involved they are in the offense, touch the ball every play, blah blah blah. But I think it gets re- <clears throat> ridiculous. They people start yeah. looking at the best well, stats of the best uh, the, the best stats of the quarterback on the best team, and that's who's a finalist. And and I I, I think it's, it's such an overrated award, unfortunately, because it's so revered, and I understand that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, there already is a quarterback specific award, and that is not what the Heisman is supposed to be. But like you said, it seems like every year the Heisman finalists are quarterbacks, sometimes, you know, occasionally a running back, occasionally a wide receiver, like Devonta Smith won it a couple years ago. Right. But like the best player from the number one ranked team that stays healthy the entire season, because like Blake Corum has been Michigan's best player yes. this season and he's not a finalist even though he's he's probably been their most valuable player he got hurt two weeks ago so he's like totally out of the running now so like you have to stay healthy you have to be on a team that either makes the playoff or is, is ranked in, in the top five or, or is Alabama I guess and yeah. <laughs> um, if you're a quarterback even better I, I actually I can't remember who I saw tweet this uh, when the Heisman finalists were announced but they tweeted something like the Heisman finalists are the quarterbacks from the best teams uh, that the voters think should be named Heisman. Or I can't, yes, sorry, I, yeah, I totally botched yeah. that. But <laughs> it's like this year's Heisman finalists are who Heisman voters think other Heisman voters are voting for, something like that. It's like become this thing where it's like, oh, Caleb Williams seems like he should be. And now that's not a knock on Caleb Williams because he's going to win the Heisman, and I think he deserves it. But when you're seeing four quarterbacks and they're all from you know Georgia, TCU, Ohio State, and USC – it's yeah. like, how is like there no one else in here yeah. getting votes? Completely agree. Completely agree. So that that's coming up in a, in a week or so, and or pretty soon actually. Uh, I think sooner than a week, but uh, so we'll see. Uh, big thing this weekend. If you haven't had a chance, everybody, I would say try and watch the Army Navy game. 
uh, that goes on uh, on this December 10th. I believe it's just an incredible thing to watch. It's, it's spectacular. If you ever can get to it in person, I would always say give it your best shot because it is very, very, very cool to watch. So on to the NFL. Quickly, what do you think of your Steelers? They've won two in a row, and now they're playing <laughs> the Ravens. Well, now yeah. they're playing the Ravens, who will, I'm sure I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to be playing this week. No, he's going to be not. a week, week-to-week guy, but not going to be this week. Um, so your, your Steelers at five and seven, though, winning a couple in a, in a row with their rookie quarterback. Yeah, well, to be honest, Mike, I didn't even watch the game on Sunday because my boyfriend made me watch the Giants Commanders 2020 tie that was happening at the same time. Mm. So I missed the the almost Steelers almost choked a little bit at the end of the fourth quarter, let the Falcons yeah. get back in it, but they won. So I, I'm aware of you know what happened. I I saw the highlights, but yeah, I'm I'm feeling. I'm feeling like, um, you know, it would be nice to get a higher pick in the first round, but I also don't like watching them lose, and I also want Kenny Pickett to play well. So I'm in a, I'm in a complacent place right now with this team. Now, when it comes to the rest of the teams in the NFL, I'm in the same place as I was last week. I still don't know who's good. I did not expect the Bengals to beat the Chiefs again. Yeah. Um, and now, now I have to, you know, change my opinion of the Bengals a little bit and give them a little bit more credit. Um, I did not expect the 49ers to beat the Dolphins with a backup quarterback. And you've said the last few weeks that you've had your eyes, your eyes on the 49ers for oh. a team that you think will be the team to beat in the playoffs. And now Jimmy G is hurt. And Brock Purdy, the former Iowa State star, played, I think he was the quarterback in the Camping World Bowl against Notre Dame in 2019, right? Yeah, um, I, I believe he was. He, he was Mr. Irrelevant in the draft. The yes, last Mr. Pick. Irrelevant. I actually... I, I did a couple of his games uh, when I was calling college games. I like him. He set like 32 school records. Um, yeah. So we'll he was there see. for like four years, though, right? Yeah. Yes. So yes, that helps. Yes, he was. But yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll, he's we'll going to be what... the 49ers quarterback. But do you think they're going to trade for anyone or sign well, any other Well, they can't trade. The trading deadline's oh, over. That's, so that's right. Sorry. It's, yes. it's going to be... Who do they... It's who's sitting on the couch as a free agent or... If somebody gets cut, a.k.a. Baker Mayfield, yeah. then you have to – it's 24 hours to clear waivers. Now, again, for people that don't know, when a player gets cut, the worst team in the league basically gets first dibs to sign him, and it goes according to that. So if if the 49ers wanted to claim him, I think they're 24th <laughs> like in line to claim uh, somebody because of their, of their record. Uh, and we're, as we're taping this – Baker Mayfield is within that 24-hour on the waiver wire um, uh, period. So by the time people are listening to this, that may have already been decided. Because I had said, and I know you have to go through this, Jess, the, the process. But, man, if you could backdoor talk your agent in with other teams and the team you know that, that you want him to be on, could you pull it off? Because if I were Nick Foles who is the backup in Indianapolis, they're not going anywhere. They're bad right now. Matt Ryan won't be the quarterback next year. I just did the Dallas Indy game, which was actually 21-19 going into the fourth quarter. And that's when Dallas... I, fell, I, I, Mike, yeah. I fell asleep, and I woke up, and I looked at the score, and I was like, "How is this? is this wrong? How do they well, score 33 points in one quarter? It, it didn't feel like it was a two-point game going into the fourth quarter. The Cowboys that's were true. the better team, but the Colts were right there. And then – turnovers turnovers turning into touchdowns it was just brutal but if I'm Indy now hell I'm putting Sam Ellinger back out there I'm like I gotta see let me see what I got in him 
We're not going to make the playoffs. Nick Foles is a backup right there right now. Again, I don't know if you can finagle it that way because there's, as I said, 23 other teams in front of you for Nick Foles to go in and say, hey, can you cut me so I can have a chance to get on a, you know, a different team? Could he make it all the way to the 49ers? Would he clear waivers or would there be another team with an injured quarterback who may be pushing for the playoffs that may grab a Nick Foles? So that's the time. And you already heard Kyle Shanahan saying, well, you know, we like the players on our team. You know, we haven't had really discussions about Baker Mayfield. Well, he sure as shit isn't going to say, yeah, we're going to take him because there's 23 other teams. Yeah. And some of those teams may uh, pick him up just to block it. Just you know, despite, the old, yeah, just to yeah, yeah, them, yeah. Just, just to block him. So we'll That's have to wait and do. see. Just that one, that one really, because I, I did think, I think it was going to end up being San Francisco and the Eagles as the two best teams in the NFC. Now, listen, uh, the, the, the Cowboys are playing great ball right mm-hmm. now. But what they all have in common is they have excellent defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, that keep them in games. But losing Garoppolo really, really hurt them. They lost uh, Elijah Mitchell again uh, to to uh, to the IR. They had earlier in the season, he got hurt in game one. That hurt him. So just when they were starting to get guys healthy, now they get a couple hurt, in, including Garoppolo. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see where that goes. But, you know, I put, I put out a, a top five for DraftKings every week, and I think you have to put Philly number one uh, yeah. Right now, uh, still, uh, I think I think that they ha- they have to be number one. Uh, who did I put? Kansas City two. I put Dallas three, Buffalo four, and Minnesota uh, at five. You know, I'm not sure how much people buy into Minnesota still, but they're still getting the job done. So you, you kind of got to give them their due. Well, I still think people don't buy into Philadelphia either. I think that there's, I mean, beating the Titans, I think was pretty like that's a solid opponent for them to beat but there's still people saying that the you know early part of their schedule was too easy and you know they're they're just a a a sham team that they're going to get tested in the playoffs and lose but I agree with you they're they're still my number one team in my uh, hypothetical power rankings Mike I also looked up the box score from the camping world bowl Brock Purdy went 17 for 30 222 yards uh zero touchdowns zero interceptions so Okay. If you if you need to know that at any point the rest of the season, now you know that. 220 yards, that. 17 for 30. You're welcome. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is – this Seahawks, are they still any anywhere for you? I mean – No, you know what? I, I still think San Francisco is going to win that division. They're ahead of them right now, and they've already beat Seattle one time this year. So I do think they have enough talent, especially on defense, that will keep them in every game. Brock Purdy just needs to not turn the ball over. You have enough weapons on offense. Get it out to those guys. I don't care if it's quick slants, jet sweeps to Debo Samuel. I don't care. Just just get the ball out of your hands, into your into your players' hands, uh, your star players, and see where it goes. So I still think they can win that division because I don't know if you're getting a wild card out of that. I mean, I really don't. Hell, you might get the whole NFC East in there. Uh, we'll see. Or or maybe you'll get one out of the West. We'll see as well. But for the Eagles, I mean, they beat the Packers and rushed for over 360 yards. They beat the Titans and threw for over 300 yards and held Derrick uh, Henry in check. I know he had a shoulder issue, but I, I buy into the Eagles. I've covered them twice this year. They're very, very balanced. And that's what I look for. I think San Francisco's balanced. I think uh, the Eagles are balanced. I think the Cowboys are balanced. Once they got Dak back, 
basically from week seven on, they have been one or two in all the major categories on the offensive side of the ball. And their defense, they lead the league in sacks, and they lead the league in giving up the least amount of sacks. So that's pretty damn good. So to me, those are the big balanced teams in the NFL, especially in the NFC side, uh, to where I I think the NFC looks pretty deep. Deeper than, because we thought the AFC was going to be the deep conference, right? Uh, But now, I I don't know how deep (laughs) it is. We've seen Buffalo fall off a little bit. We'll see where Miami goes. It looks like Tua, who hurt his ankle, is going to play and not going to miss any time. Lamar may miss some time, so we're not sure there. Cincinnati did get Jamar Chase back, which is huge for them. And they seem to have Kansas City's number. So, you know, are, are people looking at a Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, top three AFC? Do you put Miami in there? You know, I don't know with Lamar where it's good. Because their offense, even before Lamar got hurt, wasn't doing anything in their last game. I still think the AFC is deep, but it's not deep in terms of, like, there being four or five elite teams like we thought there would be coming into the season. I think it's more of, like, a handful of, like, really good teams that have a little bit more, um, you know, in common in in the sense that, like, you're not really sure which one ultimately is going to win, but they're all they're all solid in terms of like being balanced. Though I don't know which of those teams is the most balanced. I would have said you know Miami was playing pretty well until they only scored 17 points against San Francisco, and then you have yep. to wonder like if they're going to be able to score in December against the Bills on the road, and if they're going to be able to like you know execute the offensive game plan they want with I know they have like a major O-line injury now two has already gotten banged up because of it um but how is that game plan going to work against better defenses in in the playoffs so I'm not really sure who my my top pick in the AFC is it was the Chiefs until Sunday and now the Bengals once again have knocked off the Chiefs uh, in a situation where I thought the Chiefs were for sure going to win. And now yep. the Chiefs, they did miss a field goal at the end of the game that would have tied it um, before the Bengals went down the field and, and won the game. But, yeah, that was – I was not expecting that. I Does that change anything for you in terms of how you view Cincinnati? Yeah, it does, you know, because I wasn't sure about Cincinnati. I wanted to see when Jamar Chase came back and how he's going to – really not when he came back, but how is he going to be the rest of the year? You know, is it a lingering injury? Are you, were you done with it completely? Are you healthy? Because for the top teams, a lot of it's about attrition. How healthy can you be when the playoffs start? Again, doesn't matter what your record is. It's nice to get the bye. We know only the top teams in each conference get the bye. So the rest are playing. So six out of the seven teams are playing anyway. So you want to be as healthy as you can be uh, by the time the playoffs start without any lingering injury. So uh, we'll see with, with Jamar Chase because he's clearly their, their best player. On offense, the one last note I wanted from my side, anyway, in the NFL is we did have the return of Deshaun Watson. So whatever anybody thinks of Deshaun Watson and what he's done, what he was accused of, how the league handled it, I'm talking now from a, a complete football standpoint. It's, should we be shocked that he didn't look good? I mean, the dude didn't play all last year, didn't play for the first 11 games this year. I'm not sure what the expectation was of him to play. The game was awful. The game was a 27-14 win over the Texans with one offensive touchdown. One. The scoring went Texans field goal, Texans safety, Cleveland punt return for a touchdown, Cleveland defensive touchdown on a fumble return, Houston safety or Houston field goal, field goal for Cleveland, 
And then you had one touchdown by the Cleveland Browns uh, on an interception return was a touchdown, and then a Cleveland Brown field goal, and then finally a Texans actual offensive touchdown. That was it. There was one offensive touchdown in that dreck of a game in which Deshaun Watson did not look well, and I would imagine a lot of people who are, are, are really not on his side were pretty happy he did not play well, and they were probably hoping Cleveland would lose. Yeah, that game was was gross. I mean, like Horn. you mentioned, he he sat out all of last season because he wanted to get traded from the Texans. And then weirdly, his first game back after being suspended for um sexual misconduct was against the Texans in Houston. And yeah, he played terribly. I'm certainly not surprised at yeah. all. I mean, if if your expectation was that this player was going to suddenly like look, you know, to form after yeah. not playing in over 700 days. I mean, that's pretty difficult to do. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I've I've read various articles about fans booing him and, yeah. you know, T-shirts that fans are wearing and all of that. I mean, I just think it's a terrible look for the NFL, yeah. um, terrible look for the Browns. And, and, yeah, I hope they don't play on primetime the rest of the season because I'd like to just not watch any of those games, to be honest. Yeah, I, I doubt they will. I mean, I, I doubt they're, they're jumping back into this thing, though we will see what happens with them. And that's kind of the NFL overview. And then and then on to the world uh, popular game of soccer, of football, as they say. Are you – again, we've talked about this because normally the World Cup's in the summer when there's not a lot going on. And I, and I know I've watched a lot more of it now because of where it is uh, and, and where now when it's being played, there's so much more going on. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've not been watching it like I normally have. Certainly I watched the U.S., you know, in the, in the first rounds and get out of that and then lose to the Netherlands 3-1. Uh, to one. So they're, they're completely out of it. So in the round of 16, so we're getting ready to, to be just about done with that and go to the quarterfinals. But I, I haven't really been watching it. I've just kind of been looking at any kind of highlights. And, you know, with, with obviously with news out there of, of Morocco beating Spain on, on, on penalty kicks and other upsets that, that may be out there or 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 have happened already. I, I really have not – every now and then I'll do kind of a cursory, turn it on and look to see what's happened. But I, it's not held my interest like it normally would. And I do think time of the year has a lot to do with it because I'm so engaged in all the football that's going on now. I just – I have not been given my time to this. Now, if U.S. was in it, certainly I still would be, but they're not. <laughs> Well, I I watched the U.S. game on Saturday. It was a huge, huge bummer, even though it ended pretty much the way I thought that it would. I didn't really think they were going to make it through the quarterfinals. Actually, I saw some soccer fans on social media making fun of the United States pundits for talking about, like, who the U.S. would play if they made it through to the next round (laughs) because of, like, how absurd that would be. Yeah, Yeah, right. But, like, yeah, well, that's what they that's what they're supposed to do on TV. Right. Like, let us let us hope. Why else would we watch the game? But that didn't happen. Uh, The U.S. does not have to play Argentina in the next round. Um, Like you said, this this time of year is tough for watching soccer at 7 a.m. When, you know, I have to go into work, obviously, but also there's just so much other stuff on. I will say Saturday was a phenomenal sports day. I don't think I got off my couch except for to walk my dog like once because the U.S. Netherlands kicked off at 10 a.m. Eastern and then the Big 12 championship started at noon and then the SEC championship was at four and then the Big 10 and the ACC championship were at eight and then I went to bed and it was awesome. So 
in that regards, I will give credit to the World Cup for being on right now because it's given me some of the laziest afternoons of my entire life this fall. But yeah, I wish I wish it were not as crazy of a sports calendar time. Right. Um, I will definitely be watching all the the quarterfinal games though. Like this is kind of the part, like England versus France. Like that's going to be crazy. This is the part of the tournament where there's so much on the line. The games have so much energy, and there's just like in the atmosphere is going to be crazy for for the rest of these games once the quarterfinal starts. So I'm I'm excited for it, but I totally understand fans that have been kind of checked out for the for the first few rounds. And and listen, if you're a casual fan, you know, you got four more years to wait now. <laughs> right. And, remember, and it's going to be it's going to be in the US. So it's going to be the in time what, Canada, zone's going to be yeah, and yeah. in Mexico. So the Canada, time zones are going to be better and yeah. you know, it'll, I, it'll, I agree. games will be and in listen, prime time. Eric yeah. Ronaldo came out with us last week and he said he thinks because we're such a young team that we could really be peaking well in 2026. So we have that to hold on to, but we got to yes. wait four years, right? <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's what us men's soccer uh, people have been telling us for, for our entire lives. Right. Mike, yeah. I mean, you, your life has been much, much longer than mine. You're done. Full of more promises, but the bright side, I think, for, for soccer fans, there's another World Cup in less than a year. The women play in Australia and right. New Zealand yep. in June and July, and that's going to be incredible. Oh, be all over that. And I mean. so, yeah, if you're if you're not soccered out yet, great news. There's another World Cup within the next year to, to look forward to. And with a team that has a chance to actually win it. So. Not, <laughs> right. that we're front, you... <laughs> not that we're front runners or anything. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, if, if you bought Team USA merch, you can still yeah. wear it with for for the women's team it still works the same way so yeah that'll be fun so two things yes before we go um by the time we tape our show next week i will be 60 oh my gosh yeah i will be 60 yeah how are you feeling about that uh you know i'm one of those i feel great my weight is i'm like my high school senior weight outside of the joints that i'll have to get replaced at some point you know which which is fine (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I feel I feel really good, and I've never really let you know the number bother me. You know the forty or the fifty, but sixty seems like it's starting to get there. You know, like like I don't even want to think about seventy. I know I got ten years, but that that sounds like an ugly number to me. Seventy um, does sound a little old because yeah. you have to think about the age at which where you find out like a celebrity dies and yeah. you decide like oh they were so young or oh they were they lived a, a good life and seventy yep. feels like it's kind of uh. Yeah, you're still yeah. a little young, but but that's fine, Mike, because that's in ten years in a week. Yeah, I so, I got time. So don't worry about six, seventy. Just worry about sixty. Sixty is it's a little bit, but but I like I said, I feel really good. Um, but that number, I'm not gonna lie, is is getting me a little bit. Um, so so next time we chat, uh, I will be sixty, and also by the next time we chat, between now and then, I will be going to the mailbox every day, waiting for my cookie delivery. Just know. I will keep that in mind. The next time we chat, I will still be 28. <laughs>